John sat quietly in the front street of his vehicle, his hands trembling as his mind raced. There was a knot in his chest and a heaviness in his heart that anchored him into his seat. Every time he closed his eyes, he saw Mike's face calling out to him. There was a look of anguish in it, and the pain of losing him seemed unbearable. So, he kept his eyes open, staring out the front window as he watched Casper direct the men on their rolls. I need some Troxy, he mumbled to himself. I need to speak to Mike. He gripped the steering wheel tight. The pain, the pain can all go away, he sighed deeply. His thoughts went to the look of anguish in the eyes of Clara and Cecilia as they rushed them into the back of the car, seconds after learning their father was killed. Ursula had not wasted any time in grabbing the essentials. She seemed to carry herself with grace at all times. I wish I had that kind of strength, John muttered under his breath as Casper approached the front door. Casper tapped on the window and John let it down. How are you feeling, John? I'm as good as I can be, given the circumstances, John responded quickly. It's been a rough few days for all of us, Casper continued, staring into the distance. The boys and I would understand if you would like to sit this one out. There's no need to have you get even more stressed than you already are. Like you said, it's been a stressful day for everyone. It would be a dereliction of my duty to put my feet up while you guys work. I intend to be a part of this, John responded quickly. Do you have a problem with that? Of course not, Casper responded, stepping aside as John got out of the car. There was a momentary pause as both men stared into the distance. They were high up in the mountains, far from the griminess of the colony's inner city, far away from the stench of decay. Up here, it was the splendor of nature that reigned. It was a contrast of colors, from bright yellow to dark red. The flowers were blooming, and it looked beautiful as far as the eye can see. The ocean collided into the rocks below, producing a sound that was relaxing. John closed his eyes and let the gentle breeze caress his face. The smell of lilac filled the air, and the combination of all these factors had a calming effect. For a moment, John's mind stayed in the here and now. He felt at peace, relaxed. His mind wandered to Mara, her deep blue eyes appearing from the blur for the first time in years, and he stared in disbelief as she glowed in his mind from a safe distance. John made a move to reach out to her, then he stopped. He opened his eyes and stared down at the blue ocean as it slams into the walls of the hill they were on. Do you think he did it? Casper asked, turning to John. John turned around and stared at the imposing building behind them. All I know is this. He could have done something. He stayed away. He did not lift a finger. He is complicit, either passively or actively. He pays the consequences, John responded. 
Don't forget, we may need them on our side ultimately. So we don't go in guns blazing, Casper responded. John glanced at him briefly, then stepped away. As he did so, he checked for his guns and knife. Then he started walking towards the gate of the imposing Gothic-style building in front of them. Caspar was keeping pace with him, and so were the rest of the eight men behind Caspar. Two men manned the gate as they approached. Caspar called out to one of them, Martin! I need you to open the gate. Martin did not respond. Martin! You may think because we've known each other for so long, I won't do it. I'm not interested in hurting you. I look forward to Maria's curry first, and I really don't want to get on her bad side. I am an honorable man, Caspar. What would they say about me if I just let you through? Martin yelled back from the window. We're coming through the gate in the end, Martin. And I need you to accept that. Open the gate and let us through, Casper commanded. Martin made a dash for his weapon. Casper pulled his gun from the holster and shot at him through the small guard window. The bullet pierced the window and hit Martin in the arm, who began screaming in pain. The second man in the room made a dash for the weapon but stopped when Casper aimed the gun at him. I have no idea who you are, kid and I won't hesitate to pull this trigger. So my advice is you listen to me carefully and don't make any sudden moves. Martin, does he know who I am? Yes, yes, yes! Martin screamed out between moans of pain. Then you make it very clear to him that I mean what I say. Is that understood? Casper continued. Seconds later, the gate started to slide open, and Casper and the men walked into the compound. The rest of the men continued towards the main door, while Casper took a detour into the guardroom. How are you doing, Martin? Casper said, putting the gun in its holster. I've been worse, Martin responded, grimacing in pain. You'll be fine, Casper said, after observing the wound. You'll also get to have a few days off, Casper continued with a smile. Hey, kid, get him to the hospital and tell whichever doc you see that he's a special patient from the Dragon Baron. The kid nodded and he started to get Martin up when a series of gunshots began flying outside. All the men fell on the floor and Casper crawled out of the guardroom. Outside, an old man was shooting wildly in the air and Casper's men were lying flat on the floor. You bastards! You liking our bastards! You've destroyed everything! You've destroyed our honor, our past, and now our future! You deserved what you got! You deserved it from all of us! Casper turned to John as he reached for his gun. John, no! He stares to say. It was too late, and John pulled the trigger. The bullet hit the old man in the belly. The gun he was holding flew out of his hands and he slumped to the floor, clutching his stomach. John got to his feet and began to approach the man in a slow, deliberate pace. The old man was groaning in pain. You right, Knowles. Can never be trusted, he muttered, waving his hand dismissively 
as the approaching John walked towards him. Your whole family is a disgrace for what you did to them. Mike was an animal. How could he? How could he? He killed a man in front of his kids. What sort of animal does that? The gun dangled in John's hand as he approached the man. Yes, coward. Kill an old man, he yelled, spitting in John's direction. When John got within a few feet of him, the old man scrambled to grab the weapon he had dropped after he was shot. John fired a bullet in the air, and the man stopped in place. Listen, old man, enough of the games. Where are Matthias and Julius? The man stared up at John with cold, piercing eyes and said nothing. John placed his foot on the man's belly and applied some pressure. The man yelled out in pain. Fuck you! He said when John relieved some of the pressure. I will deliver my, I will deliver my family to you on a, on a platter. Then you are no good to me, John responded, clicking his gun and pointing it at the older man's head. The old man closed his eyes. Just then, the main door of the house swung open and a girl with a teddy bear ran out and hugged the old man. The old man opened his eyes and hugged her back. Hannah, my love, he began, tears streaming down his face. You shouldn't be here. The girl squeezed the old man tightly. You finally have your shot, the old man said in a grimace. Destroy her life like you did Aloysius, you piece of shit. John shifted uncomfortably and got to his feet. He stared at the old man lying in embrace with his granddaughter and all he could see was Mara hugging Alex tightly as Alex struggled with the pain. He remembered the many nights Alex cried himself to sleep as the pain continued to spread. The illness. The cancer. This is not a game, John finally said. I am here for justice. I will have it no matter what. So let's stop with the games and the drama. Do you all understand? John walked towards the old man and picked up the weapon he had dropped. Just so you know, I'm not like Mike in any way. You say that, but I can see it in your eyes. You're just the same as he was, the old man retorted. John tossed the weapon away and stared towards the main door. He pushed the door open and walked into a room with five men, all with guns drawn. He sighed deeply and looked around the room. The truth is, he began, I am tired of all of this. The standoffs, the bloodshed, the killing. I'd forgotten where I left in the first place. He unbuttoned his coat, revealing his three guns in three different holsters. There was one more holster, but he had no gun in it. A knife holster dangled from his side. He walked into the middle of the room as the men trained their guns on him. My mind, it's all over the place right now. And all I know is I want justice. I want to know why this happened. He turned to one of them. Kristen, you know me, don't you? Yes, Captain, Kristen responded. What do you think are your odds? 
What do you think are the odds I walk out of this standoff unscathed? Christian looked around at all the men in the room. I would say 50-50. Hmm, John said, shaking his head. So there's a 50-50 chance that I walk out of here unscathed. But I can assure you, there's a 100% chance you don't walk out of here at all. The men mumbled to themselves. Before you do this, I want you to think of those you love. Those who are waiting for you at home. The ones you kiss and you feel your heart swell. Think of those people. They won't see you again. I had those at some point. And I can tell you, the world becomes lonely without them. So I'm going to give you one opportunity to exit this place. Just one. John stopped, motioning to the door. Christian looked around the room, dropped his weapon, and walked out the door. And two other men followed him closely. John stared at the remaining three men who had their guns drawn. Fine. I guess you feel like you're the heroes. Let's find out. Just as he was about to pull his weapon, Julius Rogner ran into the room. Stop! Stop! I will talk. He gestured to the remaining men. Go to your families. This is between us. Frankly, this is between him and me alone. Put your weapons down and get the hell out of here, he commanded. The three men looked at each other and dropped their weapons. John stepped aside and let them past him. Julius Rogner turned to John after the men had exited the room. Come with me. He led John through the door and into the main lobby where his family and that of Matthias Rogner huddled in a circle. Julius walked to a young girl holding her mom tightly and kissed her on the cheek. The girl held on to him tightly. After several seconds, Julius pulled her away from him. He smiled faintly. He turned to his wife, Emma, and kissed her passionately on the lips. One of Matthias' kids started crying. Julius walked up to him and rubbed his head. Everything is going to be fine, kids. I promise. Your mom and Matthias have everything under control. Julian turned to Matthias and hugged him. You can handle this, right? Matthias nodded. Why are you not coming? John asked Matthias. He had nothing to do with it, Julius responded. John looked suspiciously at both men, then shrugged. Let's go outside, Julius said finally. The longer I stay here, the more difficult it becomes. The two men proceeded outside. The gentle wind caressed John's face as they stepped into the beautifully manicured lawn in the back of the house. They stood quietly for several seconds before Julius began. Why did you even come back? John turned to him. Right now, I have no idea. What I was thinking then was that the familiarity of being back here would help stop the urges. The urges? Julius asked. Troxy, John responded. Ah, Julius continued. Let us sit for a while and talk. 
He motioned to a set table and a chair and the two men walked to it. Judas reached into his jacket and pulled out two cigars. He handed one to John. I have been aging this for ten years. Ironic that I get to smoke it when you get back. Julius continued lighting it. He took a long puff, leaned over, and lit John's cigar. The two men sat quietly for several minutes, puffing the cigar and enjoying the cool breeze. The last thing I wanted was to be in a situation like this. Why on earth did you do it? John finally said. The idea that I did it is really subjective, wouldn't you say? How was I to know that Mike did that to General Wilhelm? Did I have a part to play in getting Aloysia into the darkness? Technically, how is it my fault that I choose to protect my family from decisions that I was hardly aware of? You had an obligation to inform him, John argued. What makes you think I didn't? Julius shut back. I went out to the colony district without any of my men to let him know that Aloysia Groner was out for blood. What? John says, his eyes perking up. The night after Arnold's death? That very night. Mike told you? It was meant to be a secret. Nah. I was there. I watched you and Matthias leave the room while I was being searched, John continued. How come I never saw you? Julia said, taking another puff. I think you did not expect to. I'm assuming there's more to the story, John said, taking another puff. Julius nodded. A week ago, I got a visit from Aloysia. She came with some goon who couldn't get her word out without cursing. She threatened my whole family if I did not spill information about access to John. She was willing to give me a taste of her vengeance. I already had an idea what she could do, and I couldn't imagine poor Anna under her knife. So, I talked. I told her about Madame Clyburn and how she was his go-to relaxer, if you know what I mean. I guess she followed that lead. Madame Clyburn must have put up a fight because I have not heard from her in almost two weeks. She is dead. Her body was found scorched in a bond car in a place where no one usually ventures. The good thing is, she was already dead before the burning. John retorted, taking another long drag. What could you have done in my situation, John? Probably the same thing. I couldn't imagine setting out Alex and Mara to such a fate, John responded. Then why are we continuing with this ritual? The principle, Julius. We have to maintain the principle. What principle? What are we even fighting for now? The superintendent is taking over the colony district and her men are pushing further inland every day. Very soon, we'll be nobodies. This house won't count for shit when they come. At that point, don't you think it would be better for my family if I was there to support them? John took another long puff. 
You brought this on yourself, Julius. I would look a fool if I let you get away with it, John responded curtly. Julius stared into the distance. For a long time, I was not afraid of death. We did some really dumb stuff during the war. When you challenged my men, it brought back memories. I remember the night you challenged those men in Telto. Five men had their guns out on you. And somehow, you were able to draw, weave, and shoot till you cleared the room. I kept thinking of their families and how hypocritical it would have been for me to make them do what I couldn't. John smiled. The truth is, I probably would not have made it this time. I'm not as young anymore, and my reflexes are not as sharp. But I knew you were a good man, and I knew you wouldn't let it happen. Being a good man is relative, wouldn't you say? John nodded. My father used to say that. There was another long pause. I have only one request. Go ahead, John said, getting to his feet. I have a gun that I would like you to use, Julius said, leading John away from the freshly manicured lawns to a part of the outside that was still being renovated. He walked into one of the rooms and came out with a shotgun that he handed to John. What's the significance of this? Julius smiled. One night, also in Telto, I happened to go into enemy territory. When I realized it, I tried to get out, but I was shot in the back by an enemy officer. I thought I would die that night. A few hours later, I found I was alive, my wounds dressed. Then Emma walked into the room. I thought I was in heaven and she was the most beautiful creature I'd ever seen. Junior said, a smile on his face. That Emma? John exclaimed, turning to the house. The very same. Julius continued. After the war, I made sure to seek her out and proposed the moment I laid my eyes on her. I bet she was thrilled, John said with a smile. Thrilled? No. Emma called me a madman. And she said she could never marry somebody she had only known for such a brief period of time. So I had to bring on the charm offensive. <laughs> How long did that charm offensive last? John said, examining the gun. Two years. I used the same ring the second time, and I made sure she was going to say yes. There was a pause, and the men stood silent, the smell of lilac in the air as the cool breeze continued to blow. Let her know that I am grateful for everything. Tell her I loved her till the very end. Tell her, if I had the chance, I would spend the rest of my happy days with her. I'm looking forward to seeing her on the other side, Julia said, falling to his knees and facing the wall. I will, my good friend, John responded, squeezing his shoulder. I will. John pulled the trigger. There was a loud bang and Julia slumped to the floor. John turned away and stared at the figure of Emma who rushed out of the kitchen and was sprinting in his direction. He took a deep breath and started to walk in her direction. <laughs>